Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, hello and welcome to the Vineyard. I am so excited for today. We have uh, a really, really special weekend planned, a special a special service today. If you have been with us for a while, we've been going through the book of Mark, looking at the life of Jesus. And we're going to hit pause on that series today, just for one weekend. And we're going to do something that we do every year in November, and that is called Be the Blessing. I really believe this is the most wonderful time of the year. This is the best time of the year. It's the most generous time of the year. And, uh, and, and every year in November, we take a weekend and we focus on generosity and kindness and being the hands and feet of Jesus. And we call it Be the Blessing. Now, Be the Blessing started many years ago. Actually, I have a 16-year-old son and it started before, so 17 years ago, before he was born, we found out that we were pregnant and uh, actually Christy was pregnant. I wasn't pregnant, but that's a different conversation altogether. We found out Christy was pregnant and, uh, and we both freaked out a little bit and asked how on earth do you raise a kid in a world as crazy as the world we live in? Now, 17 years later, the world is crazier, and we're still asking the same question, but we came up with the idea of a mission statement for our family to instill our values in our kids as we, as we raise them. And the mission statement, actually, Christy came up with the mission statement. She said, I think our mission statement should be, be the blessing. And so immediately, we both knew that was it. We adopted it, and we've raised our kids with that, and it's hard to believe it's, you know, 16, 17 years later. But our, our whole goal was, was to raise kids that would be generous, that would be kind, that would be the hands and feet of Christ. And in any situation, wherever they find themselves, would ask the question, how can I be the blessing here? And, uh, and so as we talked about doing this this generosity campaign each November, the idea of being the blessing really fit. And so we just kind of moved it over to the church and we take this season and we focus on being as crazy generous as we can be uh, with our time and with our money. And, uh, and, and you know, the goal, well, there are several goals with this for the church. One is just that we would be known as the most outrageously loving, kind, and generous people in our community. And, and that reputation has rippled out from our church into, into our community. We are, we're known for that and want to continue to be known for that because it's part of how we shine the light of Christ in our community. Um, the, the second part of it really is to stretch ourselves and stretch our muscles or exercise our muscle of generosity because it's really, it's one of the core values of the church as we talked a few weeks ago. It's one of the things that Jesus talked a lot about. He wants us, if you're a follower of his, to live an open-handed, generous life. And this gives us an, an opportunity to practice that and be inspired towards that. And so that's part of what we're doing. So every year in November, we take a weekend and I present to the church a a series of projects that we're going to do that are outward focused. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of these projects, we come alongside somebody in the community or somebody who is doing something that we couldn't do. It's outside our lane, but we can come along them and support them in doing it. And it brings blessing to our community and it, it furthers the cause of Christ. And so 
A few weeks ago, I talked about uh, the, the widow who brought her, her uh, offering to the temple and Jesus, and she threw in everything she had and Jesus was like, man, she did it right. She did it right. She sacrificed in her giving. And I'm gonna call all of us to sacrifice in our giving at the end. But before I do, I wanna inspire you with some projects that are just amazing. I can't wait to tell you about them. Um, and so some of them are tried and true. They're things we've done in the past. Many of them are actually, because they're such great projects, we're gonna continue to do them. And we have a couple brand new projects that are just big, hairy, audacious goals that will be life-changing, I believe, for the people that will impact through those projects. And I can't wait to tell you about them. But let's start with our tried and true projects. And the first one, we've actually already done. This is the, the last day to bring in your Operation Christmas Child Christmas boxes. Now, if you haven't done this, you're gonna have to get in on it next year, or you can volunteer to help pack the truck on Monday. Okay, we need, we have, uh, well, let me explain. Let me, let me go back and tell the story. So in 1993, Samaritan's Purse, which is a ministry of the Billy Graham Association, got a bunch of shoe boxes and packed them with toys from the dollar store and toothbrushes and stuff and took them to kids in a part of the world where they would have never gotten a Christmas present at all. And these kids opened these boxes and it blew them away, but it opened the door to share the gospel with them and to, to disciple them. But that wasn't all that happened. The people who packed the boxes found their worlds being impacted as well. It was so much fun. It was such a great way to be generous and hands-on in doing that. And they said, we're on to something here. That was in 1993. Today, Operation Christmas Child has distributed 188 million shoe boxes full of these toys to kids all over the world. And, and when they do, they deliver the message of the gospel and the real meaning of Christmas. This year, they hope to distribute 9.7 million boxes and about five or 6,000 of them are gonna come from here. Our church every year, just our church brings in between five and 600 of these shoe boxes packed with toys and ready to go somewhere in the world to a child who would not get a Christmas present otherwise. But we process all the boxes for our region. They all come here. We have a warehouse down the street from the church and we have a team of people that get together every year led by Barry and Brenda Bowman who who pack these boxes, pray over these boxes that have been here all week doing this. And on Monday, they will load them all onto trucks and they'll head off to Boone, North Carolina, where they'll be processed with 9.7 million other boxes and head off around the world. It's an awesome, hands-on generosity opportunity. And guys, part of the reason we do this is just to stretch our hearts, stretch our muscles, our generosity muscles. And this is a great way to do it. If you'd like to volunteer for that, uh, you can go to our website, vineyardwheeling.com, and at the top of the page, there is a link for signing up to volunteer for the various things that I'm going to be talking about today, and I want to encourage you to do that. So that one's coming up very, very fast, very fast. So that's Operation Christmas Child, a great project to be a part of. The second project that I need to tell you about is called Double Stuff the Truck. And Double Stuff the Truck, we work with the House of the Carpenter uh, on Wheeling Island. They have a food pantry. 
And uh, in the midst of COVID, the, the issues with food and access to food and the cost of food are very, very significant. And I got a call this year from Mike, who's the director over there, and said, are you guys doing the stuff the truck this year? I said, absolutely, Mike, we're going to, because they need the food. We usually raise enough, or bring in enough food to supply their food pantry for a whole month in the middle of winter, which is the hardest time to get food. So we're working with the House of the Carpenter, and we do a classic stuff the truck, which means we park a truck outside of Respects in Elm Grove, and we give people who are walking in a flyer that says we're raising money for the food pantry and ask them to buy a couple extra items. And people will come out, and they'll come out with you know one or two items. They'll come out with a whole bag full of items, and oftentimes they'll come out with an entire cart full of items, grab one bag and walk away and give us the cart, and we stuff the truck. Um, and then we call it double stuff the truck in, in honor of Oreo cookies, as well as we want to stuff the truck as a congregation as well. And so we give everybody a bag and say, bring this back. And we're going to be doing this the weekend of December 5th. And um, on your, um, so you can bring it in before December 5th if you like, but bring it to the church on Warden Run Road and we will, we will pack that in the truck. Every year we raise between three and four tons of food and, uh, and supply their food pantry for about a month in the middle of the winter going into the Christmas season. It's a big deal and it's a great way to be generous. Let me encourage you, don't bring your expired food, bring good food, and let's bless the folks at the House of the Carpenter and the people that they are serving. The next project is this, and this is a, an oldie but a goodie. We've been doing this for a long while. It's the Youth Services Winter Freeze Shelter. Many years ago, we had the idea, hey, they need people to cook. They, they were always looking for people to cook meals uh, for the freeze shelter. Now, the freeze shelter uh, is a place where unsheltered or homeless people can go and sleep during the coldest days of the winter. And uh, when they come in, they come in at 9 o'clock at night, and they give them a hot meal. That's how the evening starts. And then they have a warm, safe place to stay. So nobody starves to death, and nobody freezes to death on the streets of Wheeling. This is the kind of project that I can get behind. I don't think anybody should starve to death or freeze to death in our community as long as we're here. And we said, well, we could, we could start making food. We've got people in the church who love to make food, but it's really hard to keep that going for three months. Uh, every, you know, and, and they had a, several of the evenings covered, but they, most of the evenings they did not. And he said, well, how can we make all of the food? Like, can we do that? What if we made it all in a week and froze it and got volunteers on it and did a Be the Blessing project? Where would you put it? And the idea of... Uh, getting a hold of Ziegenfelder's Popsicle Factory came up, and they have a two-block-long warehouse that is negative 40 degrees where they keep the popsicles. Would they be willing to store the food for the free shelter? They're just a few blocks away. And they said they would, and we've been doing this ever since. And so in one week period of time, we will make enough food to feed the homeless population in Wheeling for the winter, or most of the winter. And it's this is a big deal. This year... This year, we, uh, they're opening up early because the Department of Transportation is bulldozing uh, the, the, the place under the bridge where all the homeless people are living right now. And so they're going to try and open up early. And so we're going to make additional meals this year. Every year, somebody donates a cow, or last year we had several farmers donate 
uh, lots and lots of beef, and that's going to happen again this year. But this is thousands and thousands of dollars. This is a lot of meals, and we will be cooking between November 29th and December 5th. And so part of the money that we raise through Be the Blessing this year will go towards paying for the food and all the logistics to get this done. And then there's an opportunity for you to volunteer and be a part of cooking the food. And actually, we need volunteers. And I want to encourage you to sign up to do this. Now, sign up now. You know, Click on the link. You can pick a, a time slot. Usually, it's an afternoon or an evening during that week, November 29th through December 5th. And you can pick a time. You can sign up. And you can come and do that. You'll need to get a food handler's permit, as per our health department, before you can... Uh, participate in this. And don't worry, it's an easy enough thing to do, but you do need to sign up so we can get you squared away on that before you come. Please consider participating in this. This is an awesome project. All right, the next project that we have for our Be the Blessing initiative this year is HOHOG. It is, HOHOG is uh, uh, Hearts of Hope, Hands of God. This is a name that uh, our our folks came up with for our East Wheeling campus uh, in, in East Wheeling. It's, it meets at Youth Services Building. So back when the, the pandemic started, after a few months, we started meeting outside at the river, and there, there were a, a bunch of homeless people that slept where we meet, and they were there when we got there on Sunday mornings, and we began to to bring some food for them, and they began to stick around. And by the end of the, the summer, we had a bunch of homeless folks who were participating in our church. It was such a cool moment. But as we decided to go back inside, because it was going to get cold, uh, I asked Susan Brossman, who works with the homeless population in Wheeling extensively, I said, and who also is very much a part of our church, I said, Susan, would you consider leading a campus for them in, in, in downtown because they're not going to be able to, you know, they need a place where they can go. So Hohog was born. Um, and uh, it's a campus, and every weekend, this has been a year, guys, that this campus has been going on. And every week, we have about 50 people meeting in a campus in East Wheeling, uh, and we feed, feed them every week, and uh, which um, and they sit and, and, and participate in the service. We video broadcast the service to them, and it is amazing. On the weekends that I'm not preaching, a lot of times I'll go down there and uh, participate in their service and just hang out with the folks, and they're fully engaged. And, and one year later, so many of these people have been moved into housing. They are progressing. They're making progress, uh, and they're growing in their faith. We're baptizing them, and it is a gathering of Jesus followers, a ragtag gathering of Jesus followers in, in East Wheeling. And we, you got, you've gotten to be a part of that. And so we do have... Um, there are expenses associated with that, that like, like food and, and other things that, that we just need to cover. And so that's going to be part of our Be the Blessing uh, initiative for this year as well. Next project is this, Madison School. Now, I love Madison School. When we moved uh, to the Capitol years ago, 
Uh, our Sunday morning services, Madison School was in the neighborhood. Uh, Barb Randolph, who is a part of our church and has been for years as a teacher at Madison, and she kind of helped build the bridge and make the connection with Madison. But here's what you need to know about Madison School. It is one of, if not the most impoverished school in the state of West Virginia. It's on Wheeling Island. There's a tremendous amount of trauma that these kids have lived through. Uh, there are challenges that they face, and the teachers that are there are there because they want to be a blessing in the lives of these kids. It is their ministry. Their principal is a believer and follower of Jesus, and, um, and, and we reached out to them and said, you know, we wanna be a partner with you. How can we serve you? And we have been doing things for years now with Madison School. This year, we've got some exciting programs. Um, that we're going to initiate and or fund, uh, one of which is brand new and an amazing opportunity. Get this. It, it, we're going to be doing an after-school Bible program on Fridays at Madison School in the school. It's after school, and so we can get permission to, or we've got permission to go in and do this. It's going to think of VBS meets uh, Young Life meets meets uh, kids camp, and it, it kind of get, gets uh, all bunched into one, and we're going to give these kids an amazing experience on Friday afternoons from about three, three on, and, um, and I want to invite you to be a part of this. We need a team of volunteers to be a part of this on Friday afternoons. What a great way to end your week and pour into the lives of these kids, and they're going to learn about Jesus, and they're going to learn the Bible, and it's going to make an impact, and we're going to do this in the, in the winter, and we're going to do this in the fall, and uh, I need you to sign up to volunteer to be a part of it. Another program that we've done before we're going to do again is a basketball camp, and this is going to be on Saturdays in February. You can volunteer for that as well. Jay Morris is a guy who's been a part of our church forever, and this was his, his brainchild, and we've done it uh, in a couple years now, and it's awesome. We partner with the House of the Carpenter and Madison, and the Madison students come, and it is an amazing, amazing camp, uh, a high impact, and again, if you love basketball and sports, sign up to be a part of that. Now, we're also, and, and COVID messed this up. We've actually done this in the past, but we're going to start again in January, and that's this, a mentoring program with students. Now, I did this. I did this, uh, oh, it was, well, before COVID, uh, and it was amazing. I, I, I got more out of it, I think, than, than the, the kid that I was working with. Uh, but they, they basically, there's 20 spots. So if you're going to sign up, sign up now uh, because those spots are going to go. But they pair us up with the kids that are most at risk because they need a positive adult influence in their life. And what we saw over time was that, that it becomes something that these kids look forward to. It's almost a reward, like individualized positive adult attention. Um, and it is profound. V Vicki Smith, uh, who's on staff here, our, our administrator, um, we got a call from one of the middle schools this year saying, where's Vicki? Her kid, who she mentored two years ago, needs her. That, that, that's the kind of impact that, that you can have in this one-on-one -on -one student mentoring program, and I encourage you to sign up for it. Another one, 
another opportunity for mentoring is, and this is new this year, we've got 12 spots available for this. We're going to be doing classroom mentoring. And so you'll be paired with a teacher and a class of kids. And you go in, both of these are every other week for an hour. And uh, um, the uh, student mentoring is typically over the lunch hour, so you just come in on your lunch hour and you do that. The classroom mentoring can be whatever works for you. But you come in, read to the class, give the teacher a little bit of space to breathe, and, uh, and, and the kids will look forward to your coming every time. And you'll be able to just pour into them and get to know them. And, and if it works out, you can move up with the class. It's just a, a way to build a relationship with a group of kids who really need someone just like you to be part of their lives. And so you can sign up for that online as well. Another volunteer opportunity, uh, this is a really cool story. Madison, uh, a couple of years back, they raised a bunch of money and a couple hundred thousand dollars to put a playground in at Woodsdale Elementary. And I remember when that was going on, I was talking to the folks at, at uh, Madison and they're like, yeah, we could never do anything like that. We just don't have that kind of money. And a bunch of churches and the House of the Carpenter got together and got a bunch of grants and just put in a $200,000 playground at Madison. It's really, really awesome. And it's actually, we're still in the process of, of uh, rolling that out. So in the spring, when it warms up, our job vineyard, I need 10 people who are willing to go and do all the stenciling on the, on the new pavement. And Sherwin-Williams is working with us on that, and we've got professional stencils. So if you're a messy person, don't sign up for this one. But if you're not a messy person and you're good with paint, we need your we need your skills, uh, and I need you to sign up to help paint the playground and get the uh, the stencils down, and that's going to be our part to play in the in the playground initiative. So that's Madison. A lot going on with Madison. A lot of time opportunities um, to to uh, to pour into, and I hope that you'll be generous not just with your your finances as we do this be the blessing thing, but with your time as well. Get your hands dirty a little bit. All right. We've got two more projects, and uh, th these last two are brand new. They're super huge and super exciting. Um, the first one is this. It's, it's called Feed My Sheep. Feed My Sheep. Let me tell you the story. Uh, about nine months ago, this guy calls me. His name's Mitch, and Mitch is a nut. He's on the phone and he's like, hey, I know somebody you know. He, he knew Keith Kazar who comes to church here and he told me to call you and uh, I feed kids in, in Costa Rica and I need you to do it. And I'm like, who are you? And, uh, and he said, my name's Mitch. And I was like, okay, go on. So I sat down with Mitch and he explains to me that he does business in, in uh, Costa Rica and has for years. And he discovered uh, 15, 20 years ago that there were all these kids in San Jose, Costa Rica, who were living on the street, who weren't eating. They were, they were street kids, and they weren't getting food. And, and he's like, that's not okay. They have to, we, we have to feed these kids. And so he starts this ministry called Feed My Sheep, and for the last 15 years has been feeding 100 to 150 street kids on the streets of Han or San Jose working with churches down there to get it done and uh, pretty much running it himself. 
And, and Mitch is aging out. He's a nut, but he's aging out. And he's like, I can't keep doing, I just don't have, he, I don't have the energy to do it anymore. And he goes, and I think a church should take it over. And I think you guys should take it over. And I was like, well, Mitch, I usually say immediately no to projects like this because it's kind of outside our lane. You know, our focus is our community and helping people find and follow God here. But as we're speaking and having this conversation, I feel like I'm not supposed to tell you no yet. And I said, I tell you what, I'll come down and check it out. And so in May, I flew down to Costa Rica and visited with uh, the folks on the ground there who are doing this ministry, got to meet the kids who are getting the food. It is the real deal. These kids, the only meal they get all day long for a lot of these kids is what they get from Feed My Sheep. Now, it's really cool because they work with a, a church there where the church is just a, a tin shack uh, that is also the house of the pastor. Pastor Caesar and his family run this. It's also the feeding center. And these kids come in, uh, they get a warm meal, a nutritious meal, and they get to hear about Jesus and the gospel. And it's powerful. And uh, there's another pastor who is involved. His name is Pastor Oscar. And I had a conversation with him when I was down there. And he said, you know, I always thought that, that when Jesus said, feed my sheep to, to Peter, he was talking about spiritual, you know, food. He said, and it, it just didn't hit me until we started doing this, that he's also, he was also talking about food, food. And, uh, and these kids need food. And so... Um, we are not uh, going to incorporate Feed My Sheep into the church. We are, we are going to uh, populate the board of Feed My Sheep, and we are going to put resources in that direction. And so starting January 1, we have 150 kids, depending on us, for food. And so what I want to do as part of Be the Blessing this year is raise $20,000 to seed Feed my sheep. In the future, we have all kinds of plans for this. I hope maybe you'll be able to come to Costa Rica on a mission trip at some point. We're going to do child sponsorship so that, that we can ongoing, in an ongoing way, make sure that these kids have food and that you have a personal connection with some of these kids. But right now, starting January 1, if we can get $20,000 in the bank, we can, we can get this thing rolling the way it needs to be rolling. So that's part of, of our Be the Blessing initiative for this year is Feed My Sheep. And buckle up, lots of fun stories coming on that. The next project is this, uh, and this is, this is huge. Uh, it's called Hope Center. Hope Center, and uh, we're going to partner with a, an organization called Hope Center Ministries. You know, when I became lead pastor of our church, I don't know, 11 or 12 years ago, uh, one thing was absolutely clear at that point in time, and that was we have a drug problem in our community. It, not just a problem, an epidemic, and the opioid crisis is killing us. We're losing people every week. In fact, the, the mortality rate in the Ohio Valley per capita is the, to drugs is the highest in the country. It has touched every one of us in one way, shape, or form. We know people. We have family members who have been directly impacted by this. And I was so overwhelmed by this problem. I was like, the church has to have something to offer 
We have to have a part to play in, in solving this problem. I just didn't know what it was. And so I began to pray and ask God, what would you have us do? We're not going to become a rehab center as a church, but what would you have us do? How do we impact our community? How do we bring hope to our community? Because it feels like a hopeless situation. Well, a few years back, well, seven years now, I met a guy named Chris Dew, and we became friends. And then Chris came up and preached now and then. And then a few years later, I said, Chris, why don't you join our, our teaching team? And, and he thought about it and decided that he would. And part of that conversation was help us figure out how we can minister to our community on the issue of uh, addiction, because we just don't know what to do. We're continuing to pray and listen and ask God what we should do. Well, Chris called me back in the, in the winter and said, I think I found, I think I found it. I was like, tell me about it. He said, well, it's called Hope Center. So I, I, I met these, these guys, I've gotten to know them. Uh, it is a rehab program, uh, but it is, Bible-based, discipleship-based, Jesus-based, and, um, and they've got centers. They've been doing this for a while. They have centers all over the country. There's, there's 27 centers, three in, in the UK and the rest in the United States, and they are experiencing a tremendous recovery rate. And they'll bring in, they'll have men's houses and women's houses, and they can bring in about 28 people at a time, and they go through a 12-month program. Now, your average rehab program is a 28 to 30 day program and it costs about $36,000 for a 28 to 30 day program. And the recidivism rate or the relapse rate is about 95%. Like and this is why this feels like such a hopeless topic because people just they just go back and 30 days isn't long enough. And $36,000 is a lot of money. Hope Centers, their model is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It costs, it's a 12-month program. The recidivism rate is like down in the 30s or 40%, something like that. And it costs the participants $700 to participate. And it's, and it's, it's just brilliant. They, they come in. They get their, their, their feet under them, they get stabilized, and then they go into a work program where they are trained with skills in manufacturing or something along those lines. They're paired with a, a local manufacturer where they get job training and skills training, um, and they pay their own way through the program. And when they graduate, when they graduate, they have put aside money for them, so they have money for a, a, you know, a down payment on an, an apartment. They graduate with a job. They are tied into a church the entire way through, so they have a community of support around them. They're tied into a recovery community all the way through, so they have a, a community of recovery support around them. Their families are brought into the process as well, and when they graduate, they do incredibly, incredibly well. Well, Chris and I flew down to Nashville to check these guys out back in, uh, back in the spring, and we're both just blown away by the work they're doing, the model that they have, the effectiveness, 
and, and uh, of what they're doing. And we were just like, this has got to happen in Wheeling. This is, we need two men's houses and two women's houses in Wheeling. That's what we need. But we'll start with one, and we're going to start with a men's house. And uh, the way this works is we raise the seed money to get it going, and within a year, the, the program is paying for itself. They'll be connected with our church from the perspective of this is where they'll come to church, their families will come here. We will have, uh, we will be their spiritual family, their support network. But it is its own program. We're just going to get it going, right? And okay, so the seed money for this, the the amount is two hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Which, when you look at twenty eight guys going through in one year, that's less than ten thousand dollars a person. That's not a lot of money. And I know we can do this. The question is, how fast can we do this? And I want to see if we can just get it done before the end of the year. See, our goal in the past for it be the blessing has always been about $25,000. And so uh, we'd always shoot for $25,000, and you guys would come in at like 50. Last year, I think we raised $75,000. We beat it every year. This year, we're going to shoot for the moon. To do all of these projects and make all of this difference, our goal is $300,000, a little more than $25,000. Now, I fully realize we may not hit that goal um, during the Be the Blessing initiative, but I believe that we can because I know God can do anything. And here's what else I know. If we don't try, we definitely won't hit it. So we're going to try. And I'm challenging you today to give until it feels good. And and in, in the spirit of the widow's might, when she gave sacrificially, I want to challenge us, every one of us, this is an opportunity to give sacrificially. What, what could you go without? We never think about it that way. But to give in a sacrificial way, that it would make that kind of difference in somebody else's life. And so usually I say, usually I say, well, if we all give $49.95, we'll hit our $25,000 goal, and you guys blow that out of the water. Um, but I know there are people who can't give that much, and I know there are many of us who can give way more than that, and, and we do, and, and that's how we get to, to the outrageous numbers that we get to every year. And that is the case now. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to give you a number to give. I'm going to ask you to ask God. Pray and ask God, and whatever he tells you to do, do that. But stretch yourself in generosity. This is an opportunity for that spontaneous generosity that we talked about a few weeks ago. Now, you can give on our website to this. Just uh, select Be the Blessing uh, when you do in the, in, the, in the menu and give to Be the Blessing. And let me encourage you, don't just take your tithe. That remember, that's the intentional disciplined giving that we talked about a few weeks ago. Don't just take that and move that over here. Keep that intentional and disciplined and, and, and regular. This is an over and above. It's kind of the difference between a tithe and a, this is an offering. This is something over and above. And again, let me encourage you to give until it feels good. There's not, there, you can have no more fun with money than doing stuff like this. So go to the website, sign up to volunteer for one or more of these projects, and, and give. 
and give until it feels good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you created us to live open-handed, generous lives. Lord, that, that you have created us and you have blessed us to be your blessing in this world. And I pray as we step into these projects that we would just be blown away by what you do in us and what you do through us. And it is in your name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.